Within Retro, episode 76, coming in. I am uh, just hanging out here. I was going to record later in the day, but then I decided, why not do it now? And so here I am, a little earlier than I wanted to record, but why not? Uh, I want to do a quick couple updates at the top here, because uh, if you listen to last week's... Well, no, wait, two weeks ago. Yes, that's right. Two weeks ago, uh, the beginning of this current season, I said I wasn't sure if I was going to do weekly or bi-weekly, and I didn't really know what I was going to do there. And so after I put out the episode, which I <laughs> I didn't even know if I was going to put out the episode, I decided that I'm going to try to do bi-weekly here. Uh, so there should be an episode every two weeks, and they should be up on Wednesdays, even though the previous one was up on a Friday, but that's because I uh, took a while to edit it. So, but that that's going to be the schedule. Uh, so new episodes every other Wednesday is how it's going to go. That'll give me enough time to think of things to talk about. <laughs> And not and not feel like I'm just like grasping for things to talk about each week. And I think it'll be a much uh, more curated topics that way, I think. And I won't be uh, necessarily forced to uh, what I found whenever we had to do the show. Well, not necessarily had to do the show, but whenever we were doing the show weekly was that I felt forced to make things topical and that isn't necessarily the best thing whenever you want to create evergreen content that somebody can listen to uh, whenever they sort of pop in. And so that's that's sort of my approach right now. So that's what's going on with the schedule. Um, I got some really good feedback on last last episode. Uh, much appreciated. Those of you that listened and uh, those of you that gave some feedback um, uh, if anybody else has any thoughts about the new direction, you can email video at denroad.co. Uh, if, if you don't want to be, you know, don't want me to talk about your feedback on the show, you know, you can put that in the email and that's perfectly fine. Uh, or you could also leave a review over on, uh, Apple podcasts cause that'll just let you do it. And I just found this out because somebody alerted me to that, uh, Spotify, <laughs> they will not let you <laughs> review unless you, uh, have listened to a few episodes. <laughs> you, have to, you actually have to listen to it before you can review and rate the show, which makes sense. But uh, I did not know that ahead of time because Apple will just let you rate the show before you even hit play. So, um, uh, what else? Uh, the Kofi page. Uh, I will have it updated by the time this is live. Um, and what I'd like to do there is uh, I'll set up a a goal. It'll be a very modest goal. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not a big deal, but, uh, I would like to remove ads from the website, uh, mostly because I am, I'll get into this, uh, in one of the topics later, but I'm very sick of the way the, the web is being presented. Um, and I, and I don't want to be a part of that, uh, with my website. And so I would like to remove all the ads and all of the tracking and all of the, the bullshit basically from the website. Um, and so in order for that to make sense, uh, I would need to see some kind of return on the website. Otherwise, it's just sort of a money pit. Uh, so I will have a very modest goal on there. Um, if anybody feels like tossing a couple bucks uh, on the Kofi page, that would be uh, <laughs> fucking amazing, let me tell you. Um, and I'm not going to make a, a whole long uh, pledge drive spiel for it, but... Um, that's the that would be the reasoning for it and uh you'll be able to see more details on the Kofi page 
So let's actually uh, have a show. How about that? I think I've talked enough about ancillary things. So what have I been up to? Uh, these couple weeks, um, I've been in the process of building a new server. Um, and this is something I've wanted to do for a while, but it sort of came to a head uh, whenever I have realized that the server I'm currently using is inadequate. And uh, what I'm using now is a pre-built Synology server. It's a two-bay network-attached storage and I use it for uh, backup and to also file hosts like my podcast files and also video files I work on and uh, basically everything that doesn't need to be on a running computer at the time. I just chuck over there and it's also my Plex server that also hosts the family's stuff. And uh, I've, we've been running into issues where uh, some of the file formats that I use and some of the qualities that I use, which is it's just usually 4K HDR content, works fine for me. But uh, some of the uh, family members, it is not working out for them because the server needs to transcode that into 1080p or a non-HDR so they could watch it on one of their devices and the server is just not up to the task because it's got just a little Intel Celeron, I think probably just like a quad core processor in it. And it's just, it just can't do it. It, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the chops. Um, and I had previously upgraded it to have like six gigs of RAM, but that's the max it can have. And it's like so dumb, like laptop memory. So it's, it's not really, it can't do a whole lot. And so it's like, all right, fine. I have to build another computer. <laughs> it's basically what it means. And so I've been doing that. So that's been a bit of a project. I built it after all the parts came in on, what day was that? Was it Wednesday? And that was about a day of working on that. And I'm using Unraid, which is a sort of like Linux-ish system that boots off of a USB stick, which will allow me to, uh, it's nice because you can just, like you set a disk to be like its parity and uh, you can just sort of keep adding hard drives to it and it doesn't matter what size the hard drives are because a lot of like the way other servers are set up is that all the drives have to be the exact same size and it's very difficult to like add more drives to it. But with Unraid, you can sort of keep growing and adding along and it doesn't matter what size the drives are as long as they're, they don't go past the size of the parity drive. And so I bought a 16 terabyte hard drive. It's like, okay, I'm not going to go past that. Because what I currently have is two eight terabyte drives and they have no parity. They have no protection. So if I have a drive failure right now, I'm kind of screwed, which already happened. I already had a drive failure before. And luckily I was able to salvage the data out of it. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have no parity. I have no backup currently. So this will make things much safer, a lot easier. Uh, and I'll have a lot more power to work with for the Plex server and also, I can now use it as a transcoding and encoding server for regular video files. There's some programs I can use to just sort of offload uh, and use it as like a rendering computer whenever I'm doing other work. Or I can set it to like a schedule. I can just plop in video files and say like, hey, this computer is not going to be doing anything at like four in the morning. So at four in the morning, get to work encoding these videos and it'll just do it for me which will be quite handy. Uh, and I can also, there's another, I forget what it's called, but um, there's another program that um, 
So what happens right now is that whenever somebody in the family wants something downloaded to the, to the Plex, they have to tell me about it and then I have to go and find it and then download it to the Plex. But there, I can now provide a front end for them to request something and then the server will download it on its own. It's, it can either be a mobile app or a web interface and they can just they can search for it and just like click, yes, I would like that. And then the server will go get it on its own without me having to do it. So that'll make my life a little easier. But right now I'm waiting for another hard drive to come in and then I have to offload all of the files off of two eight terabyte drives to the new server. And then I could start working on the cool stuff. But right now it's just sort of sitting there because I don't have any storage in it really, except for the parity drive, which is not actually like usable storage. It's sort of like, you know, emergency backup. Um, so that's what I've been up to this week. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of uh, ridiculous the amount of computers that I have, but they but they all serve a functional purpose. So, and that's the other thing. So, like like I was talking about, like like this will work for uh, encoding video. Um, that same program, the server will act as like the host, but then I can add all of the other computers to it, like v- via the network. And basically say like, okay, these are whenever these computers will also be idle. So whenever the other computers are idle, you can tell them to now encode video too. So I'm basically putting them all to work whenever I'm not using them like actively, uh, which will be quite nice instead of just like some of them sitting there because I can't use them all at the same time, obviously, but they all do functionally serve a purpose. Just, you know, different purpose (laughs) purposes. And I swear that's not me trying to rationalize why I have so many computers. I want to talk about some some things here. And I want to, I, I didn't really get this in feedback from last time. I actually got some very positive feedback. But what I want to avoid, I, I know I said uh, last time that I want to like rant and rave about certain things. But I want to avoid a situation where I'm just coming on here and just like whining. I'd really, I'd really like to avoid that. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do to try to avoid whining. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I don't know how good I'm going to be at not whining and complaining too much. But um, what I want to talk about right now is that I I feel like this is going to be a a current, like, ongoing theme that I will probably address multiple times. But have have you noticed that every website is just fucking dog shit now? Just every website is straight shit. They all suck. They're all terrible. And I and I don't even necessarily mean like the social media. Yeah, social media is bad, of course. Yes. Twitter broke down. Yes. YouTube broke down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That's expected, right? We all knew that was coming. Twitter's been a trash fire, you know, for months, but it wasn't very good before then. I'm not even talking about that anymore. I'm talking about just regular ass websites like fucking Wikipedia. Wikipedia is dog shit right now. Like just the just the user interface is horrific. It's bordering unusable. Like what? I'll just type in something. I'll just type in. I'm just staring at his face. So I'll just type in David Lynch again because he's on my little display. Like there's so much blank fucking space. You have to like zoom the fuck in in order to read the text. It's awful. That's just one example. Um, websites are terrible now, and that that's just a, a symptom of. Uh, a growing, growing problem where the internet itself is terrible. 
And I don't mean like it's rotting your brain, whatever the fuck boomer shit ass takes from the 2000s. I mean, like it's becoming unusable and actively hostile to humans in a way, in a way that is like, this is not, it, it feels like it's no longer being designed for human usability. It's like, it, it's like we're getting pushed out and you might be saying, well, what the fuck are we getting pushed out by? Who is doing the pushing? Why would we be getting pushed out? Um, and maybe I'm starting to sound crazy already, but it's, it's the AI shit. It's the AI shit. And have you noticed that, I guess since, I don't know, December rolled around, December of last year, so like just a couple months, you stopped hearing about crypto like completely. And then all the crypto people became AI people and started promoting AI bullshit as now this is the thing that's going to revolutionize the internet and the world and blah, 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 blah. Before it was going to be crypto and all the blockchain technologies and all the blockchain apps and all the blockchain games and all the NFT shit. This was the way it was going. This is the way it was going to fix everything. And then, of course, that wasn't going to work because it was all bullshit and smoke and mirrors. And, you know, it was going nowhere. It was all a grift. But now they're they've pivoted to it's AI. It's chat GPT. It's open AI. It's all this shit. And at the same time, you have AI. Oh, AI can, you know, write all your articles for you. Then boom, all these media companies, massive layoffs. Boom, all these tech companies, massive layoffs. Well, fuck. Well, fuck. If these executives suddenly think that they can get AI to do whatever they think it can do. And then they immediately turn and say, all right, we don't need 10% of you. 10% like across the board. Well, fuck. The, the fear was like, this was like Andrew Yang's bullshit, right? Was that uh, the robots were going to take like minimum wage jobs. You know, that was his whole deal before he became Mr. Uh, righty, tighty, lefty, Lucy. We need forward bullshit, whatever that fucking sell his shitty book, that whole thing. But now it's like, oh, the AI is going to take the engineering jobs, too. But that doesn't even make sense. None of it makes sense based off of what it actually is. It just doesn't. I might be all, a little all over the place, but <laughs> so the the issue currently is that the Internet is becoming computers talking to computers. Uh, websites are being written by artificial intelligence to appease artificial intelligence or bots or machine learning, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Cause it's not really artificial intelligence. It's language models. It's machine learning. It's, it's algorithms. It's whatever. It's not really artificial intelligence in the, in the, in the sense that we thought it would be, you know, the sci-fi sense, right? The sentience of it, you know, it's specific models that are looking for specific things. So there was a story, I think it was like in Wired or I don't know, um, one of the tech sites. And they they wrote about how uh, a website was written by AI or like writ wrote an article about AI that was just completely fucking wrong, completely wrong. And it was up for a very long time. But the the owners of the website were fine with this. 
because it was written by AI in a way to appease Google's SEO algorithms. And then it was finally edited and they were happy with it being edited because whenever articles are revised and updated, that actually improves their ranking on Google search. Because if a website is updated, it means that it's new and current. And in Google's eyes, that's an important marker of discoverability. So what's happening is that AI is writing shit, incorrect, inaccurate, poorly written articles, and humans have to go in and correct them. And this is this is fine in the executive's eyes. It's actually a, a genius masterstroke because their website ranks higher on Google. And this is fucked. So you fired the writer or demoted him to AI uh, proofreader. Literally in the, in the past month, I saw so many media companies hire or fire, I'm sorry, the complete fucking opposite, fire massive chunks of their workforce. Massive chunks. Gaming websites, entertainment websites, publishing companies, just fire massive chunks. All for a supposed incoming recession. That it, it, Oh, don't worry, it's coming. Don't worry, the dragons are on their way. Then the tech companies did it. Facebook, Google, don't worry, the recession's coming. We're going to make sure of it. We're going to make sure the recession's coming. We're going to guarantee it. Meanwhile, we're so excited that we have a language model that can spew out absolute bullshit. Websites are unusable right now. They're unusable. Try, like, there was a time where you would use, you would use search engines as a tool to find what you were looking for. Now search engines are like, high and mighty. And I'm not even necessarily talking about Google. Google is just the worst of them, right? Like even the ones that aren't actively tracking you, even DuckDuckGo is like this. They want to provide a specific answer for you. And so now they they're, they got their panties in a twist, all excited about AI because they're like, well, shit, we can just install the AI and the AI will give you the answer. Not relevant websites that you're looking for, but the actual answer that you're looking for. So now they think websites don't need to exist. We're not no longer a search engine. We are now uh, an information like repository. We're trying to like supplant the internet itself, but shitty, but shitty. It's like, so I read this article last night, uh, this piece in the New Yorker uh, from Ted Chang, who is a science fiction writer. Um, he wrote, uh, wrote, well, he's got a ton of short stories, but he wrote a short story that became uh, the movie Arrival. And so he writes about uh, science fiction that has to deal with language and communication. And he's very good at it, by the way. Um, and he has a piece that basically equates AI. He calls it a, a blurry JPEG because, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it a disservice. You should really just read the piece. These, these language models are just copies of the internet. They can't be the internet. So they're just like a semblance of it using whatever pieces of the internet they're fed. They're trying to compress the internet because it can't be all of it. There's not enough space for them to store all of it. So they're just like a shitty version of it. And those are my words. He didn't say shitty. <laughs> but this is what this is what's going on. It's just a, a like the, the further abstracted we get, it's just a copy of a copy of the internet and and the search engines and uh, I saw another one from like a Microsoft executive where he's like, yeah, this is what we're going to do with Bing. Like we're going to, you know, chat GPT or whatever is going to be able to provide you the answer rather than you having to hunt through the search results. It's like, no, that sucks. That sucks. Not only because these things are inaccurate, but it's because 
they don't have the totality of the internet. Like we cannot manipulate the search terms the same way we could with a search engine. And so um, also from this piece, he sort of says like, the, the only reason why these uh, chat bots seem impressive, even whenever they're giving you something that's completely fucking wrong, is in the same way that like a student who writes an essay that sort of like bullshits around, even if it doesn't give the actual answer, might seem impressive. It's because it's still utilizing language to form maybe coherent sentences and maybe coherent thoughts, even if it's just completely fucking wrong, even if it's completely fabricated. The idea that it, it came up with fully functional sentences is impressive to some. I don't find it that impressive. And we've seen this. We've seen everybody playing around with them. You know, there's like that historical bot or whatever, where they've got like Himmler saying that um, racial segregation is bad or whatever. You know, it's just like complete and utter nonsense. Not, you know what I mean? <laughs> the fact that they have, you know, a Nazi saying that it's is like just just the, the 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 inaccuracy of the information that's being conveyed by these fucking things. And it's because it's filling in the gaps of whatever you provide it. So, of course, it's going to be fabricated like these things aren't tools the same way that search engines are tools. They're replacing too much human input. Before you would manipulate specific search terms and Boolean terms to find articles that then you had to judge the worth of. And now they're just spitting out whatever it judges to be the best information for you. And so as somebody that writes for and on websites, this is bad and dumb. <laughs> it's bad and dumb. <laughs> Because websites were already like you would go search and I use this example with my brother for something dumb. Like you want to know if season two of an anime is is going to be made and there are going to be 10 identical websites that are just like season two of blah, blah, blah coming out. Find out here. And it's just a paragraph that restates what the show is over and over and then it, it'll leave you hanging and you're trying to decipher what the fuck this even means and then it'll talk about the manga and you're like just trying to like what where okay is it or isn't it and then you don't even end up getting an answer it's because it's written by a bot it's like it just restates what it knows without providing an answer because it can't because it doesn't know but it'll fluff around it, it's it's a student bullshitting an essay it's kind of good at it it's kind of good at bullshitting an essay but you don't get what you're after it's just every everything seems unusable and it, it and if more executives are looking at this saying like yeah nope this is it this is the thing they're getting swooped up in it I think a lot of them saw through the crypto bullshit as like, well, this doesn't make sense. We already have money or, you know, like we already have technology that can do blockchain without needing a fucking blockchain. And so the bubble burst on that shit. This one, I don't know. I think the 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 engineering tech people are too enamored with it, but it's it's still kind of dumb, right? Like, so I was going to talk about this anyway, but then it got into the news. Um, so there's the, the AI Seinfeld show. I, I calling it a show is um, being generous to it. Uh, so it's calling it's billing itself as nothing it's called nothing forever. And it's a infinitely generated version of Seinfeld on Twitch using open AI. Uh, and it's apparently supposed to be trained on classic sitcom episodes. And it's supposed to and it's supposed to mimic the format of a Seinfeld episode. And it begins with uh, 
instead of uh, Jerry, it's Larry doing a bit of stand up and then moves to the apartment. Like there's different little sets. There's the apartment set and there's another one. And then there's characters that look like Kramer and everything else. So it, it but it's called Nothing Forever. And I truly mean that it's nothing. I, I tried to watch about 10 minutes of it. it. It was nothing like there. There are lines like there are the characters talking to each other and moving around in the space. But as if they weren't in the same space, like they will kind of respond to what the other character said in a way that follows, but not necessarily always in a way that makes sense. And there's no jokes. Like there's no setup punchline. It it can't do jokes. Um, applause applause breaks are just inserted at random. Um, it's it's really nothing. It's it's not entertaining. It's not it's not anything. Um, like it it's as an experiment. It's whatever. If you really wanted to read into it, you might say that it's some kind of like critique of sitcoms. But I think that's just applying a very generous reading to it. I don't think it's anything. I, I really don't. I just think it's sort of like a, a little experiment to gain like attention, you know, like on AI in, in a in a form that people could recognize. But so that so I was going to I was going to talk about that anyway. Um, but then it got banned on Twitch uh, for supposed transphobia. And the reason why I say supposed is because of the joke, the quote unquote joke it made is actually um, like a, a it, like it appears to be a critique of transphobic stand up, which is the closest thing to a joke I've seen it make. Because when I watched it, there was nothing at all. Um, so what it said was, uh, and this was during one of the stand up bits at the beginning, um, it said, and I feel like I feel comfortable saying it. That's why it's not like, you know, uh, there's like 50 people here and no one is laughing. Anyone have any suggestions? I'm thinking about doing a bit about how being transgender is actually a mental illness or how all liberals are secretly gay and want to impose their will on everyone or something about how transgender people are ruining the fabric of society. But no one is laughing. So I'm going to stop. Thanks for coming out tonight. See you next time. Where'd everybody go? So that's what it said. And that's what it got banned for. And like if you take the text on it, like, you know, if it just said, um, trans like being transgender is a mental illness that is transphobic right on its face but it's said i'm thinking about doing a bit about how transgen being transgender is a mental illness and but, it's, but then it says but no one is laughing so i'm gonna stop <laughs> like it's doing a bit about transphobic stand-up material but i just feel like twitch was just like oh nope we don't want to touch this <laughs> nope <laughs> brand we don't want to touch this <laughs> we don't want anything to do with this <laughs> at all <laughs> which is understandable but I, I do find it funny that that was what got it banned. Um, but like this is this what ha this is what happens with these things. Like you feed it, you feed it the internet, and the internet's gonna come out. What goes in must come out, <laughs> you know. So uh, and and so like supposedly the chat GPT won't make racist or sexist things whenever you ask it directly. And this is a big thing with like right wing doofuses. Who are just trying to like trying to trick it into a gotcha to like say the n word? It's like okay, you have a lot of free time. <laughs> you have a lot of free time to trying to talk to uh, an AI like it's your buddy, you know, and to try to trip it up. It's like those stupid like YouTube like those stupid YouTube videos where a dude walks around with his iPhone and like goes up to strangers in the street and was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you say the n word. It's like what? No, I'm good. Like. <laughs> You know, just like stupid shit. It's like, oh, oh, the AI won't say it. It's like, yeah, so? So what? <laughs> so what? Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? 
<sighs> but I, I, yeah, I just, I just don't like the direction that, uh, that things are going in. Um, and, and another thing that led me to sort of think about all of this was that, um, I wasn't going to talk about the stupid balloon and I'm still kind of not going to talk about the balloon, but, um, I was trying to think of a, a short story I, I read in college, uh, about a mysterious balloon suddenly appearing and uh, over a city or something. And I couldn't remember if it was like a lead balloon that was still floating or um, something. I just I just remember the story about this, like a giant balloon and like people's reactions to it. And that was like what the story was about. And I was trying, I was like, was that a Thomas Pynchon story? And I was trying to remember, and I was trying to search. I was like, Thomas Pynchon balloon story, you know, like trying to, you know, type in as you do. And I just couldn't get fucking anything. I couldn't get fucking anything at all. And it was driving me absolutely batshit. And it's like, God, these fucking search engines are just terrible now. I was just getting like links to like, you know, his Tom- Thomas Pynchon Wikipedia and, you know, all kinds of shit. And it, it, re- <laughs> it was really pissing me off. And it uh, turns out that it wasn't uh, a, a Thomas Pynchon story. It was uh, a Bartholomew story. But I think I was getting it confused in my head with uh, the Thomas Pynchon against the day, his, his novel against the day, because the cover um, is uh, like hot air balloons. <laughs> and, I, and I read and I read Pynchon around the same time as I uh, read that short story. Uh, and they're both, you know, uh, like postmodernist uh, writers. But I did want to pull up a segment of the um, just this, this is passage from uh, the balloon by uh, Donald Bartholomew. Um, because this is this is all I want to say about the whole fucking Chinese fucking balloon thing, like at all. Um, there were reactions. Some people found the balloon interesting. As a response, this seemed inadequate to the immensity of the balloon, the suddenness of its appearance over the city. On the other hand, in the absence of hysteria or other societally induced anxiety, it must be judged a calm, mature one. There was a certain amount of initial argumentation about the meaning of the balloon. This subsided because we have learned not to insist on meanings. And they are rarely even looked for now, except in cases involving the simplest, safest phenomena. It was agreed that since the meaning of the balloon could never be known absolutely, extended discussion was pointless, or at least less purposeful than the activities of those who, for example, on green and blue paper lanterns from the warm gray underside, in certain streets, or seize the occasion to write messages on the surface, announcing their availability for the performance of unnatural acts or the availability of acquaintances." Daring children jumped, especially at those points where the balloon hovered close to a building so that the gap between the balloon and building was a matter of a few inches, or points where the balloon actually made contact, exerting an ever so slight pressure against the side of a building, so that balloon and building seemed a unity. The upper surface was so constructed that a landscape was presented, small valleys as well as slight knolls or mounds once atop the balloon, a stroll was possible, or even a trip from one place to another. There was pleasure in being able to run down an incline, then up the opposing slope, both gently graded, or in making a leap from one side to the other. Bouncing was possible because of the new massaticity, Jesus, of the surface, and even falling, if that was your wish. That all these varied motions, as well as others, were within one's possibilities, and experiencing the up side of the balloon was extremely exciting for children, accustomed to the city's flat, hard skin, but the purpose of the balloon was not to amuse children. And that's all I have to say. About the Chinese spy balloon. I think it's time for some bullshit. What do you say? Beautiful. Um, this is a bit of old news by this point, but I want to talk about the Final Fantasy XIV Ultimate Raid cheating scandal 
and its related Fallout. So, a few weeks ago now, uh, Final Fantasy XIV released its newest Ultimate Raid, the Omega Protocol, or TOP, as it is known in the community. And uh, that's a big deal. We don't get a lot of Ultimate Raids. We get um, this expansion. There's been two. Two is usually what we get per expansion. But uh, previous expansion, one was canceled. So um, it's it's a very uh, rare thing. Uh, we, we really don't get them. Um, and it's the hardest content in the game. Um, it, it took uh, teams rating like 16 to 20 hours a day, uh, uh, like two weeks, basically, to clear it, which was unexpected because uh, we were told beforehand that it would be uh, not as difficult as the last Ultimate that was released about, I don't know, six six months ago, maybe nine months ago. Uh, so people were expecting uh, maybe about a week it would take uh, going at that sort of hardcore schedule. And it took two weeks. So uh, it, it's quite difficult. It's, it's yeah, it's really hard. But uh, the difficulty and the achievement of clearing it was sort of marred by a cheating scandal where the quote-unquote first team to clear it, uh, it was quickly discovered that they were using Zoom hacks, basically take a, a greater view of the battlefield than you can normally take, which greatly aids in being able to see and solve the puzzle mechanics that the fight has. And this is through the use of third-party tools, which are not allowed via the game's terms of service, and the way in which it was discovered that they used is quite interesting because a lot of the world first teams do not stream their progress as a way to potentially keep their edge or their lead on other teams uh, a secret. So if they have a strategy that is like, you know, giving them an advantage, they don't want anybody else to know about it. Um, but it is also a way of hiding uh, malfeasance, let's say, than the fact that they can use uh, third-party enhancements, uh, hacks, whatever. Um, so the the team that um, cleared it first, they were called unnamed, which is, you know, haha. Um, they posted screenshots saying that they cleared it, and then originally everybody was congratulating them. Then suddenly a YouTube video uh, spread of them using a Zoom hack. And this was apparently leaked by one of their backup members. And in, in these communities, uh, backup members are like, they're called like ninth or 10th men. Uh, they almost serve as like coaches or um, like video assistants where they are like watching footage of somebody stream in a Discord or like a private YouTube stream um, and either like making diagrams or like helping with strategy and mechanics and things like that. And they could also fill in as backup members if something happens, which I actually saw with a um, a stream a stream team that I was following. They were actually streaming their progress, but um, one of the members uh, had an emergency and they couldn't raid anymore, and so the one of the ninth men fill, filled in. So this was the case with uh, the unnamed team unnamed, um, and so apparently there was some drama after they got this clear. Uh, because it, it was agreed upon and it's usually agreed upon that after you get the clear, then you go in and clear again, usually like the following week or whatever, and get the clear for the backup members so they can get their clear as well. Well, apparently Team Unnamed decided that uh, they weren't going to clear for their backup members. And so the backup member didn't take that very well and leaked the footage of them uh using a zoom hack 
and they called the YouTube video that the translation from Japanese was uh, something like a holy judgment or something. Um, so <laughs> this is quite funny. Um, and so this blew up immediately, uh, which caused uh, Square Enix to respond, which they they usually don't. The way that they handle these things is after a few teams have cleared, they usually give like a slight acknowledgement, like, hey, congrats, you know, well done. And they sort of like name the teams that cleared. Um, but after this came out, they put out a statement saying like, all right, <laughs> all right, dudes, <laughs> what the fuck for starters? And uh, that they do not consider team unnamed to have been the first to clear um, and that they uh, were taking away the achievement, the, the in-game achievement that they got, as well as the uh, weapon that you get from the game or like, you know, from the raid for clearing, um, which is something they've never done before. So in the previous Ultimate Raid, the Dragon Song Reprise, uh, there was also a, a cheating, well, not necessarily cheating, uh, but the team that cleared World First, um, whenever they posted their clear video, they were using UI uh, modifications. UI modifications that they eventually put in the fucking game, which is really dumb. And so in that instance, they said that they would not be uh, giving congratulations to the winner in a kind of petty move. But in this circumstance, they were stripping them of their world first title, uh, ostensibly, uh, and then taking away their in-game achievements as if it didn't happen. And the fallout didn't stop there, um, because, and this was originally hard to tell what was a meme and what wasn't because people were memeing on this, like, you know, um, like using telescopes to like, oh yeah, like editing the video to like seen through a telescope and all kinds of shit, like editing the perspective from the moon because it was a zoom hack. And like, what is this a raid for ants? All kinds of shit like that. Um, and then it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to read translations of Japanese statements and it's hard to tell like what kind of bias the, the translator has and their feelings towards third-party tools and things like that. So then it comes out that uh, a couple of the team unnamed players are deleting their characters and quitting the game in a form of like digital seppuku. Oh, hey guys. Seppuku, okay? Seppuku, okay? So... Yeah, and it was hard to tell if that was like a meme, you know, like sort of like a xenophobic joke. Like, yeah, of course, the, the Japanese guys are going to like ritualistically kill off their characters or if they were actually doing it. Turns out they were. So a couple of them are deleting their characters out of shame because like apparently the Japanese community like harassment is pretty bad um, because it was seen like, oh, yeah, the Japanese community, they don't they don't use any third party tools. They don't they don't do any of that. Then some statements from the team were just basically like, well, we only use the third party tools because players from other regions use them. So we figured we had to. And it's like, OK, all right, that, that that's still your decision, you know. And so this this, of course, brings in all the usual conversations around third party tools and what is and isn't allowed and what the line is and all kinds of shit like that. And so, like, it, it's it's pretty damn simple, according to Square Enix. Uh, none of them are allowed. <laughs> none of them are allowed. That's in their terms of service. Any third party tool is not allowed at all. So 
that's the that's the line. And then if you use them, like that's on you. That you're taking your own like risk. And um, I personally use some because I use things that I think should be in the game. You know, like I don't I don't use any zoom hacks or anything. Like I don't use anything that I feel gives me an unfair advantage. I use things that I think should be in the game. Um, like I use a, a, a damage meter, which you can't do any high end content without a damage meter. It's just it's just not feasible. You need to know how much damage you're doing in order to meet DPS checks. That's just how that works, you know. Um, and then I use a um, controller bug fix that fixes an issue with controller disconnects and windows that Square Enix knows about because it's been posted on the forums, but they haven't fixed it. So I technically have to use that. Otherwise, I get controller dropouts. So that should be in the fucking game. So I use that. Uh, what else? I use um, a UI tweak that makes my self debuff icons slightly larger so it's easier to see them. Um, and that's it. That's all I use. <laughs> so I don't think like if you want to call that cheating, then yeah. OK, but like there's a lot of cheating shit. There's some cheaty shit. There's zoom hacks. There's um, as we discovered there, th that some other people use. For, for this raid, um, there's shit that will tell you uh, where AOEs are going to be before they've like visually spawned in. That's that's clearly cheating. Like that's some bullshit. Um, there's a lot, a lot of cheating. There's stuff that'll actually just like do your rotation for you. It's like, well, why are you even playing the game? Why are you playing the game at that point? You know, so like I have found a personal line for me, right? I don't use shit that will play the game for me or like give me some kind of unfair gameplay advantage like i could still play the game if i didn't have my plugins it would just be really annoying with my controller dropping out but i could still play it you know um some people they can't play without their fucking plugins and it's kind of sad actually so it, it like every time this happens it brings to mind you know like the same the same discourse around plugins and you know but it's just like, they're going to ruin it for the rest of us, basically. The people that cheat. They're going to ruin it for everybody else every time this happens. And there there are there are parts where it's like, it could go either way. Because the last time this happened, um, the UI modifications that they were using got implemented in the next patch. So it's like, clearly, Square Enix can do some of this shit. They just are lazy or either don't know that people use it and want it. Or they can go hardline and say, all right, we're going to use anti-cheat finally. We're going to install anti-cheat, um, which they haven't done. And they've said they don't want to do because they like want to respect people's privacy, which is much appreciated. I don't want more bullshit software on my computer, but they could go that route and finally be like, you guys pushed us too far. We need to use anti-cheat. So it's a possibility. Um, then this week... <laughs> Uh, in more third-party controversy, uh, G-Shade, which is a third-party program that basically allows you to add shaders to Final Fantasy XIV, uh, was discovered that they added malware to their program, which under certain circumstances would force your computer to restart, which is really bad. Uh, it's really bad. Um, and the reasoning was because the developer uh, didn't want anybody to use a different program that would allow you to transfer your shader presets to a, another shader program. So if you used it, it would force your computer to restart. So he put anti-tampering in a third-party tool in a game that does not itself 
have anti-tampering. And he went as far as to say that the other program was a third-party tool of his third-party tool. But holy shit. So the developer of G-Shade is like having a total meltdown. It comes out that uh, the, the, he, does, he does this despite the other developer of the, the, the conversion tool, who it turns out is a 16-year-old. <laughs> so he, he nukes the, everybody's trust in his program because he was beefing with a 16-year-old. Has a total meltdown and now has like nuked the GitHub for G-Shade. And so G-Shade is dead which was a program that a lot of people used for shaders and shit. It was just very funny, though, to see a lot of people rationalize using G-Shade, using uh, some like old forum posts from 2013 where people were like, oh, yeah, see, they're they're OK with with using G-Shade because it's not affecting blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, that's also a third party tool. They're not OK with that either. They've they've changed their stance. They're not OK with anything anymore. That's just funny to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's been a drama-filled few weeks in Final Fantasy XIV. I know everybody cares. I know everybody keeps up. And uh, some other JRPG stuff at the Nintendo Direct thing, which I, I don't watch, but I catch up on some stuff afterwards. There's going to be remasters of the uh, first three Etrian Odyssey games. Uh, these are Atlas dungeon-crawling JRPGs that were uh, on the... I can't remember if these were on the original DS or the 3DS, but um, they are dungeon crawlers where the sort of the main gimmick is that you make your own maps as you go along. Uh, and they were um, sort of crossed over with Persona for the Persona Q series of games where it's sort of the same style of gameplay, dungeon crawling, and you make your own maps. But instead of uh, being in Etrian Odyssey world or whatever the fuck the setting is for those games, it's Persona instead. Uh, and I enjoyed those games, uh, even though I have problems with the story and characterization of them. But Persona Q was a lot of fun. And I always wanted to play the Etrian Odyssey games. I bought one of them on 3DS, but I never got around to it. Uh, and so these are these remasters coming out for Switch and uh, Steam, which is really appreciated. So I'm going to pick those up on PC because I can play that on Steam Deck, which would be very nice. And funnily enough, there's going to be DLC, uh, character crossover DLC. Um, I think for each of the games, let me see. Yeah, so for the first game, it's uh, Joker from P5 and Ringo from Soul Hackers. So, so it's like, okay, if you if you Persona Five people want Joker, you're gonna have to take Soul Hackers. You're gonna have to. <laughs> We're making you. Um, and then for Etrian Odyssey Two, it's the Demi Fiend from Nocturne and Teddy from Persona 4, which is another interesting um, combination. And then for Etrian Odyssey 3, it's the Nahobino from SMT5 and Igis from Persona 3. Uh, and I think the way these work is that, like, there aren't any characters specifically in Etrian Odyssey, but, like, class archetypes. So you can just sort of use these portraits for whatever characters. So I guess they're, like, skins, I guess. I think that's how that works. Um, so the game will be out in June, and I'm very interested in in this and what this might tell us about Atlas's future plans for, well, one for Etrian Odyssey and also for some other games. I'd be very interested to see if this means we might see some ports of Persona, for Persona Q and Persona Q2. I wouldn't uh, put it out of the realm of possibility because, hey, why not? They just put a ton of Persona games on Steam. So why not put Persona Q and Q2? Because I don't think those games sold incredibly well, especially Q2. I don't think Q2 sold well because it came out around the same time 
as uh, strikers. And so I think that got a lot of people's attention more so than a 3DS game did in the Switch era. It was a very bad time to release that game. Um, so I think it would be better served on a different platform. It wouldn't, so it's not stuck on the 3DS. Although Q is the better game than Q2. But I mean, you got to sell Persona 5 shit. So Q2, you know, I think it would do okay on Steam. Um, and also, I'm very curious to see how the drawing um, map mechanic works because on the 3DS, uh, you, of course, use the stylus to make your lines and drag little um, icons for like the doors and traps and treasure and things like that. So I'm curious to see how that works on at least the Switch has a, a touch screen. So there's that. But I'm curious to see how it works on Steam, for example, like if you don't have a touch screen, because like the Steam Deck also has a touch screen. But what if you don't have a touch device and also how the dual screen portion of it works, if they just sort of give you a mini map now or if you have to swap between or just like hit a map button, I'm, I'm unsure because on the 3DS, your map is always there at the bottom. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, I was going to talk about... Um, I started playing uh, Valkyrie Elysium last night. A Square Enix... I, a sort of RPG. I guess it's more of an action game. But I've only played a couple hours. I might save that for next week when I've played a little bit more. So uh, I look forward to that, I suppose. Or I guess two weeks from now. Uh, I think I'll wrap up here. I think that sounds like a good idea. Um, yeah, I think I, th I think I had all my updates at the top of the top of the show. Uh, new episodes every other Wednesday. Check out the Kofi page. Uh, I will have that um, by the time this is up. That uh, piece uh, on vaccine skepticism and my whole bullshit that should be up. Um, I think I'm calling it. Um, I am not your propaganda, so check that out on denandroad.co. Um, any feedback you have is really appreciated, so video at denandroad.co, or you can review Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you're a Spotify listener, and that's it. Yeah, don't, don't follow me on Twitter. Twitter sucks. <laughs> Twitter sucks ass. Uh, check out the YouTube page for full episodes, shorts, shit like that. Um, yeah, appreciate you listening and checking out the show. I'll see you in the next one. Maybe I'll be a little bit, bit less scattered on the next one. All right. <laughs>